0: Welcome to Forging Plowshares. We hope you enjoy this conversation and are challenged by it. Please stay tuned at the end of the podcast for a short message about our ministry. Hey, this is Paul Axton, and today I'm here with Dylan. Dylan. Is Dylan. <laughs> I'm with Dylan. 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 He's from Texas. <laughs> Dylan Hayes. Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, from where are you at in Texas? West of
1: Fort Worth. Texas in a little, well, not so little anymore, but in a town called Brock, Texas, which is near Weatherford, Texas.
0: Okay. And uh, born and raised Texan. Born and raised Texan. See, I'm always just sort of a pretend Texan. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We were there, we were in Dalhart, but I wasn't, uh, we were only there, you know, like three years, three or four years, Mm -hmm. but it was sort of a crucial time. So I've always... I've always had a special place in my heart for Texas.
1: Yeah, born and raised there, and then Kylie and I moved to Missouri officially as a married couple probably about almost five years ago now, so I am a, uh adopted Missouri citizen, I guess. <laughs>
0: I think uh, we easily adopt people here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and get stuck in kids
0: (laughs) yeah that's the problem if you can ever get out again no no that's not true this is a lovely state and there's lovely people here um, but anyway Dylan and Kylie are starting a home here in Moberly Mm -hmm. and they're part of our community here at Forging Plowshares and and what they're doing is very much in tune with The sort of things that we want to encourage and support and be behind. But I'll let Dylan tell then a little bit about his journey or their journey and and what it is they're doing.
1: Yeah, so like I said, Kylie and I have actually been together for, we were just talking about this the other day, almost 10 years now. We've been married almost five in June and from the time that we met each other, we both had a heart for people and a heart for wanting to make our lives about helping people and following Jesus, the the main focus of it. And so basically, as time goes, we moved to Moberly, Missouri so that she could complete her degree at Central Christian College of the Bible and Christian counseling. And now she's almost wrapping up her master's degree in clinical counseling. And we, like I said, had been looking for different ways that, you know, we could serve as a couple and what that ministry would look like. And she started working for Preferred Family Health Care in Kirksville um, about two years ago and saw this need for or really more of this cycle, this never ending cycle of you know, clients coming in with various forms of addiction, had just gotten out of prison, would come into treatment, would get released from treatment, would go back to their same family systems, and then would be right back in prison, then right back in treatment, and then right back out again. It
0: was just this cycle over and over again. Man, maybe we need to set the scene of Moberly here. Yeah. (laughs) We, We are such a unique little community. Yes. So it is a prison town. Mm-hmm. That's certainly that's. I don't know. If- <laughs>
1: <laughs> there is a prison right outside of town. Okay, so- <laughs> that's that's the better.
0: One. <laughs> I like that better rather than <laughs> labeling. <laughs> We're not all right, uh, but the the community is certainly impacted. Right by the prison, that the families of prisoners are here. I've never seen statistics. Maybe you have of the incidence of drug addiction.
1: I don't know them offhand. I'm sure Kylie would know more of them than what I would. I do know that it the recidivism rates in the state of Missouri as a whole are horrendous. <laughs> of what I was talking about with that cycle of just going into treatment, coming out, and going right back into prison and not being able to break that. Um, and Moberly is a community primarily of lower income individuals, and I would say probably within the county, of Randolph County, that would be kind of the standard as well. I don't know. it's It can be tough because, you know, I know for me personally, I would always examine situations from the outside in and go, well, how does that happen? You know, how, how do you go when you're in prison for five, ten years, come out and then go right back in? Or, you know, how are you clean while in prison, potentially, and then come back out and you immediately start using again or whatever that looks like and go right back in. And so Kylie was able to see that really firsthand of what those experiences look like through the eyes of her clients. And they would come in. She tells a story where one of her clients came in and uh, he was screaming at her, berating her, saying horrible things, would not listen. And she felt as though God could come and tell her that, you know, tell him he's a good man. And that was everything. And she'll even tell you that was everything in her that she didn't want to say that Mm -hmm. because from the get-go, she didn't want to work with addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, And here she is working with addiction, and she's got, you know, a screaming client Mm -hmm. across the table from her. And uh, she listened and said, you're a good man. And immediately everything just went silent, and he came down off of his anger and the long story short with him was that it that wasn't a fix-all for him and he still relapsed and um but there was that shift there of not seeing the person as the addiction but seeing the person as a person right that god loves and wants to connect with
0: and you know my wife also works with uh People in the mental health field here, which I suppose it's no coincidence that uh, that ha- you also then are working in. Right. Mental
1: health. <laughs> yeah, I work as a case manager here in Randolph County for um, Randolph County Developmental Disability Service, helping with different clients in the in the county get connected with different resources and kind of build um, you know case profiles for them and connect them to whatever they would need.
0: So we're a town of what 13,000. I was just reading the sign yesterday yeah. coming in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like 13,600.
0: Uh and it it does have very high rates of uh, drug abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh I've never seen the statistics for but it seems like there really is a kind of I suppose there's a mental health crisis in oh, absolutely. many places, but we in a little community like this where we have both the drug addiction and the uh, the prison right it seems like the combination then i don't know how they're interwoven but it does seem like we do have high incidence of of uh, mental health issues
1: and it does connect and i think my own personal yeah. view of that would be that a lot of people just don't know how to treat their own mental health or even know how who to reach out to or that it's okay because i I hear, you know, a lot of times that because it's not as simple as a broken arm or a broken bone that it's not meant to be, you know, focused on or I'm sure you've even heard of different people, you know, talk about their emotions or talking about their their mental well-being and that it's kind of a negative connotation or that you don't really want to be around those people or there's a stigma uh, over. You know, not treating mental health, and they very much go hand in hand, and it's something that definitely does need to be, you know, treated.
0: The irony, of course, is that our churches, the Christianity that we're all that that seems to be predominant, very often doesn't know what to do right with people with uh, mental health issues. Right, and so in our community here, but also in the extended community. I've had former students that have had bipolar disease and just have had terrible experiences. The churches that they've been they've been you know, ostracized, yep. and there there really is no place for many of these people, or at least in the local community here, that there has been no place made for them. And so one of the things that at least. I've been aware of, and I think that we, the forging plowshares, we, we've been aware of, is that that this is cannot be seen as defining people. Right. That none of us are defined by our, our own failures or our own peculiarities, but we're all who we are is not defined by that circumstance.
1: Right, and I think that's where Christ is so directly connected and makes everything else whole in a sense of that, you know, he never labels us by our sin or what society would label us as or by our faults or our mistakes, but he sees us as community, as togetherness, as wanting to heal. And so I think that's the main component that we're trying to do with Safe Place Home, the ministry that we're starting, is not only focus on the mental health aspect and the addiction aspect of it, but first and foremost, make it centered around Christ mm-hmm. um, in a Christian environment for these ladies to heal.
0: And so describe then, we we had the buildup, that you all are starting a home. Right. To take in people with, that have had addiction problems specifically Um, or?
1: Focused on women coming out of different forms of addiction, and that's not specific to drug addiction. That could be alcohol addiction, you know, whatever that addiction is. Wanting to house, essentially set up transitional housing for these women to come in and be in a secure environment and be in a safe environment. Um, Kind of breaking those cycles that can be established through family bonds. Because like I said earlier, a lot of times it's coming out and going back to an environment that is not healthy to begin with. And that is the catalyst for starting that cycle over and over and over again. So providing an environment um, post-treatment, going into like a treatment facility like Preferred Family Healthcare, Mm -hmm. and then coming in to get that next step of... Okay, what does it mean to have a life? You know, what does it mean to work through this? What does it mean to have community and people that care about me and want me to succeed? And um, rather than going back to a support system that doesn't, and so we're wanting to set up a twelve-month program where these ladies would come in for twelve months and would be primarily focused on community-based partnering with the community to have different resources such as you know, even um, um, job interview training and professional dress training and having morning devotionals with the ladies who are there with them and then having different people from the community come into the home and teach different, you know, different trades or different, um, really different talents just to see that, you know, there is hope and there is a future for them. And again, the the main component of this that we want to have is jesus you know we want it to be jesus focused and jesus centered so my wife is the executive director of um, safe place home and i am the president of the board of directors Um, and we do have a board member team that we're constantly (laughs) looking for different Um, financial opportunities to become sustainable Um, Mm -hmm. but we have set an official launch date for May 1st 2020 so just coming up in the next couple months we can house up to four women at a time right now and the grand goal of this that we would hope to see is that we would reduce recidivism rates not only in the county but in the state of Missouri and also grow and open more homes in the state as well in different towns that would need it that's in a nutshell
0: no There's and you've uh, you've been fairly successful you've got some support hmm yeah or, we
1: we had we've had a main fundraising event so far back in September where we did a trivia night so that the community um, could get a glimpse of what we're trying to do and my wife Kylie spoke in the middle of that event as well which it was a success um, we've had partnerships in the community with um, caring communities being able to provide different intake process Um, for the ladies that would be coming in as well as a small um, kind of financial nest egg Um, and one thing about us that would be different is that we're trying to make it to where when these ladies come in that they won't have to work the first two months that it can be focused on really just that time and healing um, Mm -hmm. so that they don't feel that they have to come in and immediately find a job and immediately Mm -hmm. you know support themselves and because that can factor in, on, especially on the mental health side, you know, the frantic kind of start of that cycle again. So, But once that two months does come around, they will be expected to be employed, then be able to pay the, the fees that would be needed to sustain and be a part of the program. But we're modeling a lot of this off of an incredible ministry in Clinton, Missouri called the Hope Project. And Amanda Whalen runs that program down there, and she's seen tremendous success of ladies coming in and being completely transformed because it is so countercultural to what the especially the legal system would expect for these
0: individuals, and um, she has seen incredible transformation. Describe so many. describe the model that she's working on. That was going to be my next question. Yeah, is what what would be some examples of successful that you're modeling yourself as.
1: so what I would see success as being is number one kicking the addiction part of it um, and she has seen so many ladies come in and not that there aren't struggles within that in that system itself and there are cases of relapse and that's tough but the success stories I've seen has been ladies come in being able to fully kick the addiction be able to tap into the natural gifts that they have and are blessed by, um, and be able to use those and flourish and just see an incredible amount of faith that is hard to almost comprehend. I know there was a time where Kylie and I went and spent some time during um, the Hope Project's morning devotionals for a morning, and Amanda had the ladies go around and just share their own testimonies if they felt like they wanted to and just to hear the stories of you know a year ago i was you know imprisoned i had lost the rights to my kids i had you know all these these horrible things and to see you know now i'm flourishing i am i know who my lord and savior is i know the what radical transformation looks like i know what love looks like now and all i want to do is give that love to other people um and to share jesus with other people and that that to me would be the best end result is for people to come in and know who Jesus is and to leave transformed and be Mm -hmm. wanting to share that with other people. Part of that is, you know, a routine, setting up a routine, day-to-day routine for the ladies coming in that would be structured and would also not promote burnout at the same time. We don't want it to be so taxing that you feel like you are trapped. That's not supposed to be about being trapped. It's supposed to be being breaking those bonds, uh-huh. um, we're hoping that uh, we will be able to introduce the first group of ladies around May 1st and start
0: walking yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. start running. So, yeah. <laughs> and maybe my question was, Miss was, Lee, by using the word success, mm-hmm. because you're already successful, just, right? Just by doing this thing, in other words, you're doing something. That is, there's this huge need right. that is there. And so you're fill, filling this need. And boy, we feel it in, in this community. I, my wife knows of people that they have nowhere to go. Yeah. And their own families, they may be there. But of course, that's very often why they are in the, the mental health situation or the addiction situation yep. is that there is no, that, that if they go right back to that same situation, then all the patterns are in place to repeat it right and so it's already a success <clears throat> <laughs> you know that's my thought yeah, yeah. and I, I think that there is a, an element of realism that kicks in at the same time we recognize yeah what a lot of people need is for uh, that people love them and appreciate them yeah and it's not I think that we live in a cr- very cruel time yes in this in this country. Absolutely. That people are being trodden by, obviously, the so-called opioid crisis. They've become a, a resource for people to make money, and people's lives have been destroyed. Yep. And we're sort of in a community where we're filling the raw end of the deal. So there's so little that's that's being done. Yeah, know. absolutely. And so it's amazing to me, as a, as young people, that you know you could be doing so many important things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: By this world's standards. Right. And yet I think what you're you're choosing to do is something that is a different valuation system, uh, entirely. Yeah. I mean it must be part of your journey or something that i I always i'm always curious in a sense you've checked out of the system
1: yeah (laughs) yeah um and even in that there 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 is a mental struggle day to day to not fall into the comfortability cycle of it i guess of what the world says you should be doing and i know i struggle with that personally and even the trusting aspect of this mission of trusting god to see it through its fruition, and the only thing that I hold on to is knowing that God is the one who put this idea in the forefront in the very first place. God is the one who gave this picture of what this would look like, and he's been the only one that has continued to kick open doors along the way. So I get to a point almost daily where I say, if God ends it, he ends it, but it would be him ending it, not me ending it. Um, or not Kylie ending it, that we've got to continue to have that faith to hold on to him and see exactly where he's going to take this crazy ride.
0: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: I'm a person who I really love to hear people's testimonies. And so for me, listening to those ladies and hearing and seeing transformation, not just hearing about it, but seeing it all over them, to me, shows that there's another way. That doesn't have to be the standard system of prison treatment. Prison treatment. Right. There is a form of healing out there that is not necessarily prescribed by the system, for lack of a better term.
0: In our my experience, that I've had several people come through, or a few people come through, that are coming out of hard addictions, for the most part, successfully. That's that's behind them. Yeah. I think that that part of it that I've discovered or that is there in the gospel is that the gospel directly addresses us in our illness. Whatever the 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 disease is that we we can label it big picture sin, we all got a sin problem. But I think we often in Christianity as we have it we tend to reduce the problem to some sort of forensic or legal problem. Oh, you got a legal problem with God, right? And so, what Christianity ends up doing for them, it takes care of their legal problem with God, almost like you know that's the only thing that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's not Christianity at all. But a true Christianity is going, and a true understanding of who Christ is is going to address us in the depth the root of our disease mm-hmm. that we're all diseased we all have a uh, we all are in need of the great physician and so if we have an understanding of christianity that addresses the sickness and i think we the sickness is shared yeah that we're all the addiction of, of various kinds but i think the root of sin that there is a universal aspect ad, uh, addressed by christ in the gospel And so I think that that's part of what we're the forging plowshares idea is that we don't see Christ as the answer to our legal predicament and to the wrath of God. But we see Christ as the great physician that can bring healing into people's lives. And that what you're doing, I think, is very much an extension.
1: Yeah. And going to Scripture, the main testimony of Jesus that we really always fall back on with this ministry is the woman at the well of Jesus coming in to an area where people groups, certain people groups, did not gel together. He breaks all social barriers to meet with this woman who has been cast out of her community. She's filling her jar in the middle of the day when that typically would not have been the custom and she's doing it alone which would not have been the custom also and he meets with her and is able to identify Her sin doesn't call her by her sin, identifies with her, is able to open up to a different type of relationship of saying, you know, I will give you living water. And then immediately she drops everything and runs back to the community, forgetting all of those, you know, different confines that her community had put her in and said, come, (laughs) come and let me show you what I've been given come and let me show you who I've met I think that is what he does for every person is meets them where they are meets them in the margins and wants to have a relationship with them wants to provide that healing in their life but yeah we we constantly rest on that those verses over and over again that's
0: the I mean that's the perfect image first of all that is the longest theological conversation probably in the New Testament isn't that interesting? yeah and it's with a woman Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the significance, I think, about what you're doing. That you're choosing a group of people that are second class, not simply because of their addiction, but because of their gender. Right. Of course, in the New Testament, what you have in stories like The Woman at the Well is that there is a breaking through of those systems of oppression and denigration. That we all know the story that yeah. she's obviously not Jewish they're of a despised race right and so everything about her and that's precisely who jesus is interested in i always think that our churches are are very often not in a place to understand the oppression that they themselves are participating in because of their own denigration of women Mm -hmm. their own denigration of people of color their own identity with the power structures in other words part of what i think takes place in something like you're doing once you identify with the oppressed with the poor with the down and out in a sense you've identified yourself with the place of jesus Mm -hmm. that that's the perspective he has on things, right
1: and that's that's where he calls us to go or to the marginalized and to be with them and you know and a lot of times that you wonder where are those people well it's everybody it's everybody around us it's it's as simple as giving a smile to the cashier as you're checking out um of a supermarket or at at a restaurant or wherever else it's it's as easy as asking somebody how they're doing and intentionally meaning it um and it's it it's from the little interactions to the stopping on the side of the road for somebody who obviously is asking for money or needing money and it's even to which one area I think is the trickiest is the people that you're closest to of being able to approach them in a way that says I love you and I'm here for you Mm. but I, I think no matter what group it is Jesus calls us to be with those people he calls us to extend love and grace to those people And why would he not? Because, you know, that's all we've been given is nothing but grace. We only live by grace. Um, And so why would we hold on to that and not try? And
0: And maybe that's the problem that many of us, until we're down and out ourselves, uh, in one way or another, in other words, until you hit rock bottom in some fashion in your life, there is a sense that you're still clinging to stuff that you probably shouldn't be clinging to. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think that's part of the idea there, is that you take up the perspective of people, oh, they've really hit rock bottom, and you understand that because you've been there too.
1: Right. With the ministry itself, like I said, we, we're launching May 1st, but with that comes that for this mission to be successful, we do have to have financial partners within that, um, and so... We do have different monthly donation slots available for people who are interested in helping to financially support the ministry, um, ranging from $25 a month gifts, which those there's several of those available, all the way up to pledges of $5,000 single donations. And so if anybody is interested in donating to Safe Place Home to help continue to not only get this off the ground, but to keep it going and to keep it sustainable, then just go to safeplacehome.org slash donate. Um, you can also see a briefly, it is, it is definitely our first generation website, so be prepared for that. Mm. Um, but it does have a little bit more about what we're trying to do and also the link there to be able to financially support. Um, but even with that, we do want volunteers as well um, to be able to help and say volunteer to come into the home and, and share different things with these ladies. Volunteer application is on there as well. And then we're, we're trying to keep posted on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, of, um, at Safe Place Home to show different things that are going on. Yeah, we're super excited. We're excited to see what God does with it and to see what, uh, what plans he has post-launch.
0: Absolutely, Dale. not works. I want to do everything I can to make sure that w- what we can do to help you, both as a group and whatever we can do financially, and so. Okay. And I assume that you you are a nonprofit, so that right. people that donate can write this off as correct a tax deduction. If right. they Go to the works.
1: and we actually just got that finished with the donations we received from this past year. Um, at the end of January, getting batch receipts out to different people who have donated. So yes. Uh, 501c3 nonprofit, so of course anything that is donated can be, you know, assisted or written off with taxes. So that is a great financial incentive right
0: there. <laughs> a great, great conversation. Glad we could put the message out there. Thank you, Paul.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Forging Plowshares. You can learn more and join our growing community by visiting forgingplowshares.org please consider supporting at patreon.com slash paulaxton or by donating at forgingplowshares.org donate.